Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Film Haven Reviews. I am your host, Sawyer, as always. And today we are saying goodbye to our ill-fated sword and sorcery theme. It's been a really fun ride, and let me tell you, I really needed to do this theme after doing World War One because it was so serious and so bleak. And as much as I really enjoyed those movies, I gave most of them higher ratings than I have given any other movie I've reviewed so far on the podcast. It's still, they're not pick-me-ups, and I was looking for something lighter and more fun, and maybe a little funny to talk about. It's been a blast, honestly, to talk about these last two movies, and just their general craziness. It was just such a nice change of pace, and uh, today we have the movie Red Sonja from 1985. It was pretty fun. It wasn't as crazy and unintentionally funny as Legend or as silly as The Beastmaster. And it didn't have animal companions, no Kodo and Poto in this movie, which is a big drawback. It's a lot more straightforward, more run-of-the-mill sword and sorcery kind of film. Some people actually would call it Conan 3 because it has Arnold Schwarzenegger as Kalidor, quote-unquote Kalidor, not Conan. And as it turns out, I read something where Kalidor might be a pseudonym or alter ego that Conan uses in some of the Robert E. Howard stories. So it would make sense that this film has more of a self-serious tone than the other two movies. But at the same time, what they didn't have in humor or in silliness, they made up for in really great fight scenes, awesome set pieces, particularly good score that elevates the drama and tension within those fight scenes. The story is about as straightforward as they come, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's easy to follow and not very complicated. The evil Queen Gedrin has murdered Red Sonia's family and left her to die in a raging fire inside of, I guess, her home. They don't really explain that. You start off right after this moment and... Instead of dying, a random spectral maid from the forest calls to Red Sonia and imbues her with um, amazing sword fighting abilities. And she then goes off to exact revenge on Queen Gedrin and she embarks on an adventure where she picks up some companions and they go to Queen Gedrin's citadel, her palace of sorts, and fortress and fights her. I mean, there's a lot, obviously, that goes on in between those moments, but that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, So not very complicated, not necessarily a bad thing, especially considering the fact that I was looking for something light this these past few weeks, but it is not as compelling or maybe as fun to talk about, maybe in some ways, as the last two films. There's not, like, that much of note. It's just a little less quirky and therefore not as inherently interesting but that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't things to talk about so for example the fighting is really good there's tons of great fight scenes and if that's what you're looking for which on some level is what i was looking for it's better than the other movies as far as sword fighting goes exemplified perfectly by one of the first scenes in the film where this priesthood of warrior priestesses that have this awesome armor on they kind of look like think like amazonians from wonder woman 
but with these white cloaks on. And they are at this temple where they are tasked with guarding a quote-unquote talisman, which is just a green orb that vaporizes all men who touch it and only women can handle it. They are in the process of destroying this talisman because it is just too powerful. At some point, it's just going to destroy the world or in the wrong hands, it could be used to take over the world. So they're going to destroy it. And, And as they are conducting the ceremony to destroy the orb... Queen Gedrin's forces are slowly making, setting up for a ambush. So they're silently surrounding this temple. And the temple is beautiful. It's like uh, layered. Think of like Tower of Babel almost, but with like more of a ancient Indonesian design, I would say. I could be wrong. They're climbing the tops of the dome surrounding the warrior priestesses without them knowing and then just as the orb is about to be destroyed they burst through the front doors and there's this big battle that ensues and the warrior priestesses are they're really holding their own i mean it's a slog both sides are being killed and but the women are really kicking butt like they're really Uh, fighting back and stemming the tide because they're outnumbered and the fighting is very connective swords are clanking constantly and you really get to see it I get kind of exhausted and eye-rolly at modern uh, action films that have uh, these zoom cuts and quick cuts that you don't really see what's going on and they try to create a sense of chaos but at the same time you're just like what what is this there's none of that you're actually seeing it all and one of the things I loved about it too is that as these uh, priestesses are fighting and stemming back the tide they eventually start to coordinate enough to where they funnel the queen gedron's forces back to the doors in which they came and just slowly but surely pushing them back as they're fighting and that was just such a fun scene to watch it was very exciting thrilling because to just to see a soldiers like soldiers coordinating in a fight scene you don't see that super often not like in this prolonged scene and to see the chaos turn into coordination was just i mean it's just a well choreographed uh scene as they push the queen gadget's forces back and they finally get them like off screen like all the way back out of the door you start seeing ropes coming from the from the skylight in the temple and the more forces are coming down behind them and now they have to turn to fight the new forces and as they're doing that all those forces they just pushed out start coming in and they're getting hemmed in and that's when they start to lose but the whole time they are fighting and like i said before there's just such a physicality to the battle sequence that is thrilling and refreshing honestly when looking i mean it's definitely better than the other two movies as far as fighting goes Um, so that was really fun and there's tons of sword fighting throughout the whole movie and it's all fairly well choreographed especially in comparison to the other movies that i reviewed Um, it is a true sword and sorcery film Um, and once arnold schwarzenegger comes in you really get some of those conan moments like he literally cuts a guy's arm off at some point it's thoroughly entertaining and the set pieces are also incredible uh, just even just in concept as well as in execution, uh, this movie makes me made me think a couple times. Man, they really just don't make movies like this anymore. Practical sets, elaborate practical sets, just don't exist in the way that they do now. Uh, 
some sometimes for the better and sometimes I just miss I have a little bit of nostalgia for and maybe more accurately a longing for a modern movie to take the approach of some of these old fantasy films that have elaborate sets. I mean, you'd be surprised at how much you can suspend your disbelief at a set that when you really look at it, you can tell that it's a set, but it creates a sense of wonder and a sense of place and space that I feel is kind of cheapened in the modern day of CGI. Not that I don't appreciate good CGI. I'm not like a hater of CGI, but nothing can really replace a classic practical set like the ones that are in this this movie like in queen gedron's fortress the fortress itself is well made but inside her like inner sanctum there's this huge room with layered steps all around it and and a square that are all filled with candles and it's just very awe-inspiring and very pleasing to the eyes you've also got ancient ruins and uh, great scenery shots of, of like looks like maybe Scottish Highlands of some sort. And then you've also got uh, just conceptually some cool stuff. Like there's a volcano in the background of this like Highland, maybe Iceland type rocky scenery. And then there's a giant chasm with lava at the bottom and a bone bridge that cuts across that is made up of some massive creature that has died there. Then there's also a underground kind of ancient cave system uh, with ruins in there that has this water pit filled with the mechanized uh, water dragon that is made of like pure metal so no one knows how to kill it. And it's that's also a really fun scene. Some monsters in there. Uh, it's just, you know, it's it's a wondrous movie in that sense. Um, some of the things that take away from the quality of the film is the acting between the two uh, lead characters, Red Sonia and Kalidor, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, the non-Conan Conan character, is, I mean, wow. You just couldn't, even if you read from the script, it would sound better than the way that they acted. I mean, it takes it takes cardboard acting to a whole nother level. I mean, it's almost Tommy Wiseau's The Room level of bad acting. Um, it's very hard to see past, but I mean, it's not really the point of the movie, I suppose. But they could have tried just a little harder. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I mean, he was he was just in a couple of movies like The Terminator. Which I guess the Terminator, the whole point is him to be robotic, so that kind of makes sense. But whew, he is not doing himself any favors in the acting department. And Red Sonia is no better, honestly. Both of them are pretty bad at their acting. Uh, other characters are a little bit better. Um, there is one fun, really fun character. Let me look up. What was his name? His name was Prince Tarn. It was played by Ernie Reyes Jr., who I immediately recognized as the friend of the Ninja Turtles in Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, which is one of my favorite movies as a kid. So I was very happy to see him. And I think that definitely colored my uh, enjoyment of the movie as well, because his character was not only really funny, he was this child king character who has lost his kingdom to Queen Gedrin. And he has this sense of entitlement to the point where he first meets Red Sonia. He has to get his, his faithful servant, Falcon, to talk for him or through him. 
Um, and you know, his pompous attitude for just this tiny little like seven year old kid is, is perfect. It, it really has like a fun, it does create some sort of endearing quality. Um, the likes of Kodo and Poto or just the animals in general and the Beastmaster, you really feel for this kid. And over time, of course, he endears himself to Red Sonia and strips away the facade of regality and pompousness. And uh, there's this also this really crazy scene where he's being uh, straight up quartered like by horses uh, in an interrogation scene. And he's like this tiny seven year old having ropes uh, tied to uh his arms and legs as uh, a bandit is torturing him while they're asking for where his gold is. It's not as uh, horrifying as it sounds. The way it's done is very silly, but uh, what a, what a wacky scene. I think that was probably the wackiest scene in the movie. One of those that I would love to clip and maybe post on my Instagram because it was just really funny. His whole character was incredible and Falcon, his servant, was awesome too. He has like he's like this kind of portly guy who who has, who wields a giant bone cudgel, uh, and he gets some really fun fight scenes later. Um, I might clip that scene too and, and send it on Instagram because it's a really fun scene as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, as you could tell, there's actually some fun scenes within this movie. It's just that the story structure is, is very milk toast. And there's just not there's just not a lot to the movie, and it's not as quirky as some of the other films, and so it just kind of falls just a little bit flat. But it's still thoroughly entertaining, and the, but the acting too is just so bad. So that's gonna that has to affect it. I mean, it's it's so bad that it's not funny. Like it's not even funny. It's not like the acting in the Beastmaster wasn't incredible, and I talked about the acting in Legend being strange, but also kind of made sense for the characters that they were playing. And Tim Curry also carried that as well. But this movie, the acting was just atrocious. I mean, just really bad. That I, It wasn't even funny how, how not good it was. So I'm going to have to give Red Sonia, I think, a 6 out of 10. Uh, it's not horrible, It was, but it wasn't as good as Legend and the Beastmaster. Um, ironically enough, real fast before I go, I think it's funny as we kind of wrap up this theme uh, to the whole idea was that the critic scores were low and the user scores were high or higher in comparison to the critic scores. And uh, this movie was the highest critically out of the three. It was a 35 meta score, which is not great, to be honest. But uh, Legend had a 30 and the Beastmaster had an 18. And yet the user ratings are kind of switched. It has. It also has the lowest user rating. And so my hypothesis with this would my my if I was to guess of why this is I would say that the movie's run of the mill nature uh, made it less offensive it wasn't so quirky and so I think critics just said yeah it's not great but it's just kind of normal whereas the beastmaster was I mean I don't really know what they were thinking on the beastmaster I think it was so silly that they kind of thought it was a farce and so they didn't want to give it any time and then legend had all that production and editing issues and it just felt like it didn't even feel like a like a real or full movie it was just kind of too crazy for critics to like and that makes sense so i think ironically enough red sonia's normalness is what created a better critic score but then because it's not crazy because it's not ironically funny the user rating is lower so i just think that's kind of a fun uh thing to chew on there sometimes just because a movie is critically better doesn't mean that it is more fun to watch 
and the things that critics are looking for is not always what audiences need. And I think that's really important to think about when we are judging movies because critics could maybe take lessons out of this to change their criteria based on what the movie itself was trying to do, the aims of the movie. In my reviews, as much as I can, I try to implement that type of thinking because it encourages, a, I think, a more fair assessment of movies. You can't just stack every movie against one another because, one, that's impossible, and two, every movie is coming at you with a different angle and a different intention. And so I'm not going to compare The Godfather to The Beastmaster. I'm just not going to do that because the movie is so different. They are coming from two different planets of cinema. So what I'm left with is averaging my enjoyment of the film, my appreciation for its craft, as well as what the intention of the film was. And I think those things are the best criteria to judge a film. And that's why I gave the scores that I gave to these films, that they are higher than even some of the user scores because I very much enjoyed watching them. And they had many redeemable qualities. And I would say the last two in particular set out exactly what they were trying to do and they made the film that they saw in their vision from the get-go. At least it seems that way to me. So that's it for this ill-fated sword and sorcery theme. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I think it was a little more conceptual than some of my others. Um, and then next week we're going to be getting into backwoods horror, which is a little more straightforward, starting with the movie deliverance, which I have never seen, but I have seen certain scenes that if you've seen the movie, you probably know which ones. So, but I've never seen the movie all the way through. So we're going to get some context and I will talk about my opinions on that movie next week. So everybody have a good rest of your week and I will see you next Friday.